Romans chapter 5. I, I trust that you're ready and, and you're in your learning positions to, uh, for Romans chapter 5. What we find in Romans is that Paul cl is clearing up a lot of bad thinking and, and um, misdirections and all of that. He's clearing it up. And some of the, the believers in Rome think they are better than other believers in Rome. And he is setting the record straight, and I'm so appreciative of it. Last time we talked about Abraham being justified by faith, that is declared righteous. He met God's approval because he believed God, and that's so simple. If you're like me, when I was a young person, a much younger person, I remember taking tests, and sometimes the question was so simple, I knew that the teacher meant something else. I don't know if you had to grow out of that. And I would, I would uh, look over the easy answer, and I would give a more complex uh, answer to the query. And I thought, well, how? It, and I would miss the, the, the question. And I was so upset. And I remember as a young man in, working in industry, we, we were constantly training. And the teacher asked such an elementary question. I thought, he certainly doesn't want that. Our job is very, very complex. He, and this elementary question, anybody almost can answer it. And so I, I searched for the deeper meaning, and I missed it, and I was so upset. And I said to him, I said, were you asking for such and such? He said, yes. He said, why didn't you put it down? I said, because it's too simple. And I, and I thought you, you meant something else. I thought you were challenging us. And from that moment on, I, de I decided... I'm just going to answer the simple stuff. Yeah, I'm, going to, I'm not going to overlook the simple stuff. And so, because so, so often, if you can't get the simple things right, you can't get the complex things right. It wasn't my case in that drilling problem, but, but still, I missed it. And so sometimes we're looking for something really, really deep, and it's right there. God, God did not need Abraham to do something stupendous, something so great, something so awesome that he would say, oh, now you meet my approval. But God said, all I want you to do is believe me. And, and that is a, a test that we often fail in believing, just believing God. By the way, my subject is Romans chapter 5. And, and, but just believing God, that's what God wants to do. And when Abraham believed God, God said, that's righteous, and God justified him, that is, declared that he was righteous, based on the fact that he came to God in faith. Because you and I can never work to, to get God's approval. It's not, not possible for us to so please God that we are errorless. We, we, we make no errors, and we make no mistakes. It's not possible. And I know that there are some people today who are trying to live a life where they don't make mistakes. I do. I, I live a life. I, I don't want to make mistakes, but I still make them. And so he says, no, that's too complex for human beings if you trust me and believe me. And, and uh, Abraham did. And so here in Romans 5 verse 1, he says, therefore, having been justified by faith. So justified by faith. So it didn't mean that you, Abraham could boast that I have faith. And we heard that if you're as old as I am, you remember in the 70s, uh, there was a lot of that. And, and there were good teachings in the 70s. I don't mean to dis, uh, disparage anybody. But, it, but oftentimes we heard, um, I've got this kind of faith and you need my, the kind of faith that I've got. As though 
They had merited the faith. They had not merited the faith. The faith uh, underlying uh, aquifer, if I may say, was grace. Grace is what gave them the faith in the first place. It was the grace grace of God, the gift of grace. God's generosity brought us to faith. And so he says, when Abraham, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And some versions would, would rather say, let us have peace with God. And not only the peace with God as an end result, but as a continuing reality. Let's have peace with God. And how do we have this peace with God? Paul says, it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul shows us is that Jesus is indispensable to everything that we do. He's indispensable to our life. He's, and he is our salvation, therefore he is indispensable to it. You cannot get rid of Jesus and have anything eternal. Impossible. And Jesus does not need our work. As a matter of fact, our, our works are not good enough. Now, we should have good works. But our works are not good enough to merit God's grace. And so everything is done by the grace of God. Everything is given to us by the grace of God. I want us to to really uh, home in on that, home in on that, like a homing pigeon, right? We want to home in on that. We don't want to ever let that go. So my faith is not, as it were, meritorious. My faith, I didn't merit something because I had faith God gave me. The grace and God gave me the faith, and I just used the faith, used what God gave me, right? And so this is what we want to do, and, we, and we're going to ex- examine this more thoroughly. I want to actually define some of these words. For example, like justified means, again, to be, to be rendered righteous, to be rendered righteous, or to be rendered or brought forth as one ought to be. So God says, okay, I'm going to declare that you meet my approval. You are how you ought to be. That is... You ought to stand before me, not like I a big boy, but no, but I need you. I have faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. So, so that is uh, what ju- being justified means. And a, a very simple answer for justified is to be declared righteous or to be pronounced righteous, uh, to be just before God. And, and that, that is God sees you as being innocent of all your crimes. Somebody may say, well, I'm not, not a criminal. Yeah, you, you, you were criminal. We were all criminal. We all rebelled against God. That's criminal. And, and so God forgave us, and he declared that we are innocent of that. And, and then when we talk about this faith, it, it's not so, you know, when we use the word nebulous, it's the only word that comes to my mind. It means like cloudy uh, end up in the sky and stuff like that. Uh, but faith is a conviction of the truth of anything but, but when we talk about the Bible, we're saying in the New Testament, uh, faith is the, the conviction um, of God, that, there, that God exists, and, and that, um, um, that Jesus Christ is his son. That's the faith that we're talking about. Uh, God exists. So, so um, relating to Christ, faith is like a strong uh, conviction that Jesus is God's son, Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus is my salvation. He's my only way to God. So when we talk about that, and so Paul talks about having peace, he wants you to be secure in what you believe, to be very, very secure. You 
Yeah, it's a place of safety. When I have peace with God, uh, I, I'm experiencing safety and I'm experiencing prosperity. And, um, and also, it has to do with um, a, a real blessed state where whatever has been broken, for example, it's a, it's a medical term, Irene in the Greek, if, I, if you break your arm and the doctor put, sets your arm, puts it back in place, puts a cast on your arm, then it, you're set at one again. So then that which was broken has been restored to a wholeness. And so that, that's what uh, peace uh, means to, uh, also. So we want to understand these terms. Um, it's, it brings tranquility to your soul, uh, so your mind, your will, your emotions. That's what it does, peace does. So uh, I, I've, I've really talked a lot about eternal salvation in the last uh, several years, and even more so now because it is my fervent belief that we're going to need this, this truth of God. This is an, what we would call an inherent truth. If you believe in God, you have to believe that inherently God is able to keep you secure. He's able to keep you safely. He is, uh, he is able to prosper you. He is able to keep harm from coming to you. And, and that's what, uh, what we must bring to the table. But we don't bring it to the table out of our own arsenal or, 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 or whatever uh, container we're using to carry our thoughts and ideas. But we, we do that through Jesus Christ, through an act of God, through the grace of God. Is this clear? Or am I, need to, I can be more, more teachy than that. And so I have been teaching how when God saves a person, he saves them. I mean, he, 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 he doesn't, and we, all of us have been taught something, but it is mind-boggling to me that some people want to try to disprove that God is able to keep you. You know, God saves you and he keeps you. And, and he is able, that's what salvation is. So I cannot have present peace knowing that my salvation is dependent on me and my ability. Because, see, I've lived with me for 75 years. And however long you've lived, some of y'all have been about 90, but you don't want to admit it, right? <laughs> but, but that's all right. But, but so, so God is able to keep that which he saves, and that, and that gives me peace. That, that causes my, my, that brings reality to my faith that God is able to do that. I don't have a faith that says God can keep me for a short while, but then I have to kick in and do my work. Yes, I do have to do my work, but I don't do my work because I have strength to do my work. I have, I do my work because of the work God has done in me. And since God has saved me, God has given me his Holy Spirit, now I'm able to have good works. I have good works, not because the works didn't precede it. It was what God did preceded it. I hope that makes sense. And, uh, and when we talk about grace, uh, you know, it's just an unmerited favor is a good definition, unmerited favor. That means that God bestows upon you what you did not deserve and brought heaven down to you and, and, and implanted heaven into you by giving you the Holy Spirit. And so then uh, this is what Paul is getting over to the Romans. They're living in a, in a state of prosperity, uh, earthly prosperity, but they need to 
come a lot further. They, they need to understand how all of this occurred. And because they are, they are standing along with Gentile, not Gentiles, but ungodly people, pagans. Uh, there were Gentile believers as well. But they were uh, walking alongside pagans. So he wanted them to know how to comport themselves, how to conduct their lives uh, in the midst of a pagan society. And now, I, I, I know I've said this before, but allow me to say it again. So many of us do not know how to really comport ourselves in the midst of paganism because, because we, we believe that we live in a Christian society. I've heard so much of that in my lifetime. You know, we live in, in, a, in a Christian world, a Christian uh, nation. And so we, we have not learned how to comport ourselves. And so we, we find ourselves doing, interacting with the world like the world. And Paul is dealing with that very issue. And so I want to deal with that very issue as well. Not, not being mean-spirited, but telling you the truth, right? And so that's what we want to do. So when you talk about grace, you're talking about that which brings joy, that which brings uh, uh, pleasure, um, good, goodwill, goodwill, God's goodwill, God's loving kindness, God's divine favor. And so, uh, and also, it's God exerting His holy influence upon our souls. And it turns us, firstly, it turns us to Christ, and then it keeps us. The grace of God keeps us. It's by the grace of God that I'm here today. It's not because of my strength and my ability. By the grace of God. And, and whatever you have, it's by the grace of God. You know, it's, it's not that you were smarter than your neighbors or the business guy who just, who started the business the same time you did, he went bankrupt five times and you didn't go bankrupt not once. It wasn't because you were so, such a genius. There's things that in the marketplace that can happen to trump your genius. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never really was a good card player, but. But, but also the grace of God strengthens us. It increases us in our, in our strength. It increases us in, in our faith. Um, and so this is, this is what God does. He, by the grace of God, he exerts divine influence upon your heart. And then that divine influence that God exerts upon your heart is reflected in your life. I mean, that's how this thing looks. So, so these are some terms that, that you'll have some idea. And, of course, I'll send you my notes if you want them. So he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, listen, into this grace in which we stand. We have access, see, grace started it, caused us to walk in faith, and now we're standing in grace again, as it were. We're standing in grace, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, so then... God keeps us. There's a, an amazing reality that's in our heart that says that we are rejoicing in our expectation of God. So what is my expectation? My expectation is that God saved me uh, from all that I was, my past, and God keeps me, and God is going to deliver me in the future just like he saved me in the past. Amen. That's what God's going to do. God's going to do that. You know, and so, and, and so that's my faith. That, is, that should be your faith. And he says we rejoice in hope or the expectation. That's what biblical hope is. I have an expectation of God that God won't let me down. Amen. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and then he says, 
and that, and we talks about the glory of God, there's the, the majesty of God, the abilities of God, and we'll give it in, into that a little bit more uh, later. And he says that not only that, not only that, not only that, now that's enough for me almost, you know. It's like, that's, that's good enough for me. It's sort, sort of like saying, you know, your, your rich daddy, you know, who has uh, uh, $300 billion, and he said, he said, babe, I'm just going to give you $20 billion. <laughs> Whoa, that's enough for me. He said, but no, no, not only that, you know, and so he gets more. And so, ooh, it's just amazing. It says, it says, and Paul says, we, have, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He said, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What? He says, yeah, all the good stuff is coming. He said, but tribulations cannot stop us. We glory in that. We look good in that. When, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, man, we just come up. <sighs> yeah, we, we can breathe, man. That's what he's saying to us. But sometimes we don't experience this because we just don't go far enough with God. We say, we, this, is, these are horrible, this is a horrible rather, expression. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. No, it's not a yeah, but. We glory in tribulation. You know, like being pressed hard. Difficulties. Say, no, we glory. You know, it's, it's amazing. I remember a little cartoon character. I can't remember his name. But there, always there was some calamity. On him. I don't know if anybody, none of you young people would, would know about it, but maybe one or two of these elders. But uh, the, he would always be in some calamity, and he'd come out and just keep walking. You remember that one? Yeah, I don't remember his name. But nothing could happen. Bricks fall on him, water. He just kept walking. You know, and so that's similarly... Uh, how we walk. So we glory in tribulation, all these hard times. And said, listen, this is what God does for, for the believer. If you're uh, listening, God is doing this. He says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. <laughs> so when you start to go through things, you figure, I can do it. I've, I've watched football players, American football. I've watched American football players coming. And some of those guys hit so hard. They hit so hard, I'm thinking, oh, no. But then once you've taken some of that hit, you go, hey. You'll see them look back at each other and say, I'm coming back again. Like, like uh, hit me again. I'm coming in anyway. I'm going to come over the middle. I'm going to catch the ball right in front of you. They do that kind of talk. Why? Because they know that guy hit me with everything he got, and I, I hardly felt it. Yeah, it hurt a little bit, but I hardly felt it. And it says, knowing the tribulation produces perseverance. Uh, perseverance and perseverance, character. So when, you, when you're able to go through things, you're building character. And that character is godly character. It's godly. You're becoming more like God. Because no matter what happens, it doesn't unsettle God. And you're a child of God. And so, when, so God allows it. I was talking with someone uh, uh, recently somebody very dear to me, and we were talking about some things, and this person was going through, like, setbacks and rough things. And, and I said to the person, I said, look, look, uh, God, God doesn't want this for you. God doesn't want this difficulty for you, but, but God knows it's good for you. And uh, he, he wants to rescue you, but he knows better than, to, as it were, to pull you out of it. He, 
If he's proud of you as you go through it. I, I, maybe that word proud, I'm looking, I was looking for a better word, but that's the word that we can understand. You know, God is like pleased. The Bible, pleased is a word, but we don't quite grasp pleased like we ought to, right? But God is really pleased with you. It's like God has said, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's my girl. When you're going through that thing, because he has infused his spirit in you. Wow. Wow. So he doesn't deliver you. He can't just snatch you out of every trouble, every bit of trouble. That's why every child needs both father and a mother. Yeah. I'm sure if you're a mother here, you've been upset with your husband for not rescuing that boy. You, you, you know, I'm sure. And, and don't look at me like that. No, I was with my husband all the time. Don't look at me like that. Because next service, I'll, I'll do some of that premarital stuff I did. Yeah, yeah, and so boys need a dad to say, no, 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 don't pick that boy up. Because I told that boy five times not to do that. And no, no, don't pick him up. Let him go through it. And it's not because the dad is a, is a sadist. He doesn't get pleasure out of his child, you know, skinning his knees and ruining his shins. Boy might want to wear shorts one day. But he knows he needs to go through it. He's going to be better, and he's going to know that Father knows best in these situations. And so you and I go through these things, and, and we realize every word of God is true. And this is what he's saying. Every word of God is true. And so Paul tells us that, that, that this perseverance, when you go through things, you, you are developing godly character. And he says, and this is what he does. He says, and godly character, hope. So then once you have this godly character, he says, you have an expectation of God like you never had. I am so grateful that the Lord didn't take me home at 70 years old or 71 or 2 or 3 or 4. I'm glad he gave me another year of 5 so, because I learned things in that 75th year that I didn't know in 74. I learned about God. And so now my expectation of God is, no, God has not let me down all of my life. He's been faithful all of my life, and he's going to continue to be faithful. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter what even I think in my old way of thinking. No, no, no. God's going to be faithful to me. He's going to be faithful to you. But we're too busy looking at what's going on wrong that we don't see what's right. And now he says to us, Paul says to us in his audience, now hope, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So he says, love doesn't disappoint. This is what he means by that, by it doesn't disappoint. I mean, sorry, hope doesn't disappoint because. Now, hope does not disappoint because of the love of God. And what we want to see here is that is that the ex your expectation of God, God says, I won't let you be ashamed. I won't let you be embarrassed. You've been telling everybody. Now, sometimes we talk out of our own soul, but when we, t when we speak what God has said, we won't be embarrassed. I remember when we first started the fellowship, um, we were, it was, it was not looking good. And uh, I remember one day I was, I was really bothered, and I was telling God, you know, I, I have been, if God, you know God's good because I'm alive. Yeah, all of you, I'm telling you, God is good because I'm alive. I would just say some of the nuttiest things sometimes. I would remember saying, I said, this thing is going down. 
this thing is going down. He said, I want you to go down with it. If it goes down, I want you to go down with it. He said, because everything that goes down in me, I resurrect. Mm -hmm. And you, you would have thought I would have learned something. You would have thought I would have learned something. I didn't. I said, I don't see how you're going to do everything you promised me with this ragtag bunch. I was one of the ragtag. So it wasn't like they're ragtag. Uh, we are a ragtag. We. W-E. Ragtag. I don't see how you're going to do anything with this ragtag bunch. He said, watch. Wow. Watch. And I, 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 I'm telling you, and, and so this service and the next service and, and uh, the ministries around the world and in Asia and Africa and Europe and uh, Central and South America, they're testimony that hope does not disappoint. And, and God is not going to let you be embarrassed. Hallelujah. And, and when he talks about uh, the love, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. So he's, he talks about the love of God uh, being like lavishly poured out in our hearts. Just, God just took, took the love of God and he poured it out in our hearts uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit presence in us shows the love of God. Uh, uh, let, let me say something here because when, when he, he, he talks about bestowing uh, like lavishly the love of God, he's just distributed it, uh, the love uh, largely in our hearts. When you think about the love of God, now, this is what I, I, I noticed, but because the love of God has been poured out. So God has done something by putting his love in you and me, that, and those believers at Rome as well, that changed everything. The love of God in you changes everything. I, I was, as I was just studying about the love of God, because he says, all this happens because of the love of God. Uh, I'm going to take about a few more minutes, so just let our team know. So verse 6 he says, for when we were still without strength, yet without strength, we were feeble, weak. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, this was a very difficult concept for me. I don't know about those of you here. This was one of the most difficult concepts for me in the whole Bible. It was very difficult for me to understand this passage. Uh, for years and years, I struggled to understand it. He says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. So, so he says, this is what I just couldn't get what, how Paul was making the, the comparison here. He says, somebody might die for somebody if they are righteous, maybe. And maybe if they say, well, you know, I'm a bad guy. This person going to do a lot of good. They've helped me out. I'll die in that place. He said, he said perhaps you die for that. He said, but God, so he changes that direction there, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still or yet sinners, Christ died for us. You may die for a righteous person. You may die for a good person, but you're not going to die for no, no good writing person. Man, I am not dying for you. He said, but God died for us. And, then, and, and so what he's showing us is that the love of God is, is, a, is a standalone thing. And so those people who are trying to prove that people can go to hell after God has saved them, they need to just get off the bus. Look, look at this thing. 
God gives, commends his love. I'll read it in a minute. His love toward us in that while we, or demonstrates, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for them. You know, have you ever heard of this thing? I first, I first, I didn't, didn't do my English work well, but I remember studying Spanish and I saw this verb that was called an intransitive verb. Y'all know that? You teachers, intransitive, intransitive. You know what that means? That means that that verb does not need any help. For example, if you were to say, go, you know how to say go right now, you know, go. Doesn't need any help, doesn't need an object. Run. Stop. <laughs> Sit. You know, they don't, they don't need anything. You say, well, I don't have a chair on the floor. Sit, you know. <laughs> I don't have to say on the floor. But, but so, so God's love does not need anything else. So when God's love comes to, to the rank center, the ungodly, God's love comes there and stands Estol. That's it. That's all of it. So God doesn't have to do something else. And so it's Paul, and, and I've, I've concluded that this man was not just, quote-unquote, a genius, a, a natural genius or a spiritual genius. This man was filled with the Holy Spirit because he couldn't have understood these things. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. So when the love of God came, it's intransitive. It came and it transformed you. The love of God transformed you. The love of God keeps you. The love of God will deliver you. God saved you when you were, you were worth nothing. You were worth nothing. Now listen to what he says. I love this. He says, but God demonstrates, commends his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than. What? You have just talked to me about the intransitive God, intransitive God who doesn't need any help, doesn't need any, as it were, aid on the other side when his love comes. And, and so you, what are you going to say? You say much more? He's showing us these superlatives going from one degree of strength and blessing to a greater degree. Now, now he, listen, he's already demonstrated his love in that Christ died for us when we were worth zero. He says, much more than having now been justified, declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So what is it Paul is saying? Paul is saying God's love is so great that he has done these things for you in the past and his love is enduring love. His love is eternal love and you shall be not like um, uh, God, you, you, uh, God has done something for you now. It's still temporary, but it later on, no. God's love that saved you continues with you. We shall be saved from wrath. And what he says is, you will never experience the fires of hell. No, you will never know the anger of God. He says, because God has already done it for you. And so your job and my job is to believe what God says, for it is impossible for him to lie. Wow. Impossible for him to lie. And so he says, for if when we were enemies. Now, let's say, let's don't say if. This is, if is good, but you have to know what if means. Sometimes if is conditional, and sometimes it means since. You know, uh, it's a reality. For since when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Or if when we were sinners, but since when we were sinners, 
we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And then we see this intransitive nature of God again in reconciliation. He says, through the death of his son, we were reconciled while we were sinners. He says, much more. I, I, don't you love that Pauline language? Much more. He, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm wobbling from the first truth. I can hardly keep stay on my feet. He said, much more, DG, much more. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Whoa. He says that God saved us through the blood of his son, through the death of his son. And he says, and now that man who got out of the grave, got out of the grave, died, was graveyard dead, got out of the grave. He said, and that man who's seated on the throne of God, he says, that is the life that is protecting us. He's not even talking about the earthly life. He's talking about the, the, the resurrected Christ. He says, that is the life that keeps you saved. That, because Jesus Christ saves us because he has the ability of, he has the power, the ability of an indestructible life. Wow. So an indestructible life saves us. Wow. 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 We shall be saved by his life. And now Paul really messes with me here. Forgive me, my mic's all falling off. He says, and not only that, come on, man. Come on, man. I'm, I'm about to, I can hardly stand up. Got my feet planted, and I'm still wobbly. And not only that. This is big. See, we, we have really not grasped fully our, our salvation, but I'm, I'm coming to a close this time. I mean it. <laughs> and, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now receive the reconciliation. So much more. Greater, so you see, much is many. Much is large. Much is great. But more, it says, even to a greater degree than what we have lavished upon us. And so, uh, again, again, this reconciliation, I, it, it's a Greek word, and, and I don't claim to be a Greek scholar at all. I, I have so many problems pronouncing some of those Greek words that I just say, it says in the Greek. You know, that's the way you do it. But it, this, this one I think is easy. It's catalasso. Catalasso. Return to favor with. So reconciliation has to do returning to favor. Man being brought back into the favor of God to be, to be reconciled to one or to someone, to receive that person's favor. And um, it comes from the, the, the word kata, K-A-T-A, kata, to change mutually. And... Um, it's, it's to make two apparently conflicting things compatible and consistent with one another. So when God reconciled us, his love, his Zoe life, his Zoe life, the absolute fullness of life, life that belongs to God and through him, he gave us that life in his love, and there's nothing that the devil can do about it. There's nothing that can stop us. I, I, I don't know if you all hurt me on this side, but there's nothing that can stop us because the love of God is lavished upon us. In Jesus' name. I'll be back in a minute. 